Hello and welcome to the Culture Swally, a podcast dedicated to Scottish news and culture. My name is Nikki, and as mentioned in the last episode of the Swally, Greg and I are having a well-deserved extra week off to recover from the festive period. So we thought we'd have a look back at some of our favourite news stories from the year. Yes, it's that cheap clip show that they used to do in the Golden Girls and Friends, but with more bad language and stories about poo and wanking. So if you've listened before, why not kick back and reminisce to the best of 2021? And if you're a new listener and this is your first time, then first of all, welcome to the Swally. But this should give you a little taster of the kind of stories that we cover on the podcast. So if you enjoy, please feel free to download the previous 37 episodes of the podcast. So without further ado, I'm excited as I never get to say this. Cue the jingle. This is the Outer Hebrides Broadcasting Corporation, and here is what's been going on in the news. In March of this year, on episode 18, we looked at the absolute classic train spotting. And in the news, we discovered that one of our heroes, the late Sir Sean Connery, had some unusual acting tips for a co star. Look, I'm not a fucking buffy, and that's the end here. This, this, this I found is a bit of an unusual one. Uh, it's about the, the late. Sir Sean Connery, or uh, Big Tam, as we sometimes affectionately refer to him as. It's from the the Daily Record, um, and uh, the headline reads, Sir Sean Connery filmed scenes wearing only pants if his legs weren't in the shot. Uh, Sir Sean, who died last year at the age of 90, only put his breeks on for full-length shorts, uh, sorry, full-length shorts, for full-length shots, and never wore them when he was filming in cars. So there's a picture of Sean when he was a, a much younger man, I think in his James Bond days, uh, lounging on a sun lounger in a pair of swimming trunks. So the source of this story is none other than actor Wesley Snipes. Uh, he, has oh. re- he has revealed how the Bond legend, Sir Sean, used to shoot movies wearing just his pants. The 58-year-old movie star, best known for pay- playing Vampire Hunter Blade, as well as starring in White Men Can't Jump, said how he did the same as the Doctor No Icon. Snipes claimed, so I, I, I love the, the terminology by the Scottish reporter, Snipes claims that while working with Sir Sean on the 1993 crime movie Rising Sun, he realised that the actor didn't wear trousers on set. Sir Sean, who died last year, only put his breeks on for the full-length shots and never wore them filming in cars because nobody could see what he was wearing on his bottom half. The Blade star said, When we were in the car scenes, I was fully costumed. He came in with just a jacket, tie and a shirt. That was it. And boxer shorts and slippers. I'm sitting there thinking, should I say something? Mr Connery doesn't have his pants. And the, the reporters put in brackets, trousers, so in case there's any confusion. Mr. Connery doesn't have his pants on. He added, we filmed the whole scene, and then he leaned over and he says, why are you dressed in all your suit? And I was like, oh, see when I was reading that, I was like, I, <laughs> my voice went, as like, <laughs> in my mind, as like, because I had to do a scene. And he said, no, son, you don't need your pants, brackets, trousers. <laughs> why do you need your pants, bracket trousers, if the camera's up there? Snipes added, I was like, wow, and a light went off in my head. And since then, whenever you see me in a car, unless I have to get out, I'm in my boxer shorts. The Blade Star said he only got into acting because he wanted to hang around dancers and leotards. The actor said, when I was 15, I went to the High School of Performing Arts, the Fame School, in Midtown Broadway in New York City. When I went there and audition and saw all the dancers... The female dancers who are auditioning to takes care to mention that the female dancers who are auditioning to, I knew this was absolutely the career for me. I've never looked back. It's the dancers and the leotards that really motivated me. So that's quite. I, quite, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I know he's in the. I guess uh, Wesley Snipes is in the coming to America, uh, the coming to America sequel. Apparently, he's very good in it. I've not um, watched it yet. I might try and. Let me try and talk Mrs. Hurston to watch it this evening. You watched it. Is it any good? Um, Wesley Snipes is probably the best part of the film. I heard that, yeah. Or or the second best part. It's between Wesley Snipes and all the flashback scenes where they show the first film. Right. 
they're the two best parts of the film. Okay. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. Right. It's it's worth a watch. But, yeah, yeah. Um, do you think Wesley used to do that when he was in prison? He used to rock about in just his <laughs> pants it's like, when he was sitting down for lunch saying, I'm not being filmed above the waist <laughs> whilst he's in the canteen. <laughs> On the security cameras. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, I forgot. He went, he, went, did, he went to jail for not paying his taxes, right? Is that right? Yeah, uh, tax evasion, yeah. I, I, that's a great story. I love the thought of that, of of him sitting there and then Sean Connery coming into the car with <laughs> just a, a pair of stained white fronts and his, his baffies <laughs> and <laughs> Snipes looking at him what the fuck are you doing? Big <laughs> Sam's like what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> Camera's up there maybe maybe it's because um, I know that um, when he became very successful Sean he, he lived uh like Barbados and hot places in Spain and things like that, right? So maybe he was just maybe like all, all the time that he wasn't making films, like all his downtime and he wasn't shooting a movie, he would just be like he's probably just like playing golf and being somewhere sort of luxurious, nice warm weather. He, he probably just got to a stage where he was like fucking not wearing trousers if I don't have to. Fuck that, <laughs> you know what I mean? Anyway, it's a shame we didn't have that story. That 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 story would have gone nicely in our in our uh, Sean Connery tribute episode from November which is still available if you want to check it out nice plug yes it's a shite state of affairs to be in Tommy and all the fresh air in the world won't make any fucking difference in May we looked at the sci-fi thriller set in Glasgow Under the Skin Uh, that was on episode 21 of the Swally on that episode we also met a gentleman with an unusual late night request and we also discovered Scotland's newest superhero do you think you should be wearing a jacket and wearing all this well, that's terrible up here. Um, well, I think we'll stick on trend, won't we? I also have a story involving a toilet in a kind of roundabout way. We've discussed this before that sometimes you just see a headline and you think that uh, this is for the swally. This is also from Glasgow Live. Drunk stranger rings Glasgow man's doorbell demanding, let me in for a shite. <laughs> this is him. Uh, a Glasgow plasterer was stunned when a passing drunk rang his doorbell demanding to use his toilet. Sean Ewart could not believe his eyes on Saturday when the inebriated man asked to come in for a shite. Sean, 27 from the Gorbals, was just enjoying his peaceful night in watching Only Fools and Horses. I don't know why that's relevant to the article, but they had to get that in there. The exchange was captured on Sean's... Sean's? Sean's doorbell footage camera which shows the man asking to use his bathroom. The drunk guy rings the doorbell. Sean's like, hello? <laughs> and he says, all right, mate, I was just wondering whether you'd let me in for a shite. <laughs> <laughs> Sean replies, no, nah, mate. Clearly inebriated, the man continues, how no, you fucking dick? <laughs> You're a fucking bam. Let us in for a shite. <laughs> Laughing, Sean stands his ground and says no again. The drunk then calls him a fucking prick. (laughs) Sean then delivers a final, get off my driveway or I'll phone the police, as the unknown man delivers a final, fuck you, and walks away. (laughs) Sean decided to share this footage on his Twitter page, saying, this is fucking mental, man. This bam came to my door last night, wanted in for a shite. So the newspaper, he contacted him, and he said, yeah, I was pretty taken aback, but I knew the guy was drunk. But I wasn't him letting him in due to COVID-19 restrictions. <laughs> Would you let him in normally anyway? I was laughing out of awkwardness, but I've been since told that it's a wee guy who drinks in the pig and whistle where my granddad used to drink. So it's even more of a laugh now. So the guy hasn't been identified, but he obviously drinks in the pig and whistle. So... <laughs> It's just, would you ring somebody's doorbell and ask to be let in for a shite? No, definitely, (laughs) definitely not. The thing is, though, he's obviously drunk, but he starts off so polite when he's like, all right, mate, I was just wondering whether you'd let me in for a shite. When he's told no, (laughs) then he goes with it. How no, you fucking dick. (laughs) You're a fucking bam. Let us in for a shite. It gets nasty. Well, he was obviously desperate. And you know what it's like if you really need to go and you can maybe get a bit of a short fuse if you're if you're in that kind of situation hey if only sean had had a barbecue in his garden then it could have solved everything <laughs> a toilet barbecue yeah just yeah. Pry, prize off the grill and make sure there's no beer in the cistern have at it well hopefully there is beer in the cistern then you can have a little beer whilst you're having a shite 
<laughs> what would you do with toilet paper, though? That's yeah. the question. Yeah. Don't know. Did actually, I'm not sure why, but it reminded me of something that I had not thought about for years and years. My mum and I used to live in Robroyston in Glasgow, and we just lived in like a little one-bedroom flat after she left my dad. And I'm sure your mum used to, it was the same in your where we, like, you got the milk delivered, and mm. then every, like, one night a week, the milkman would come round and collect his money. They, it was a young guy, I think probably like a teenager maybe, um, he seemed a lot, I was only about six or seven, so he, he seemed a lot older than me and I guess he was either the milkman's son or he worked for the milkman. He used to come in about every single Friday, he would always ask to use the toilet. My mum always just told him no, right? She was like, oh, no, away you go. Use, use your toilet at home. But then one night, for whatever reason, maybe she just felt that she had got to know him a bit because he had been coming for like a few months to collect the milk money. She let him use it. Oh, fuck me, he stunk the flat out. I swear to God. She was so angry that she complained to the milkman. How did she complain? What are you feeding your son? His shite is stinking. She didn't complain. She just had a, like, sort of a, had a moan at the milkman. She was like, you know, I, that, that boy, every week he asks to use her toilet. Every single week. I mean, he, co- he collects money from all the flats. And why does he never ask anybody else? And she said, the one time I let him use it, he stinks out the whole bloody flat. She was absolutely furious. It was, it was quite a kind of... I remember the boy as being quite a sort of heavy boy. I don't, I don't think he was... I wouldn't have said he was, like, fat as such, but quite kind of stocky, you know. And Very good. Well, there you go. There's a lesson for everyone. Don't let strangers use your toilet. <laughs> yes, I think Sean made, Sean made the right decision there. I think he did. I think he did. Do you want to Eh, I why not? Uh, I've got one last quick one. Which I'll just do quick. Um, who's your favourite superhero? Batman. Uh, I mean, the obvious answer there is Supergran, but okay, I'll take I'll take Batman. A Scots chippy has been banned from using their Batterman mascot light to attract customers. This is in the village of Muir of Ord in the Highlands. Right. And this, the basic story is that this fish and chip shop, who is owned by Jackie Pickett, and it's called Jackie's Fish and Chips, she created this superhero called Batterman as her mascot. You know, fair play, great idea. What she did though, is that she bought a massive light that shines into the sky, so it kind of resembles the bat signal. This light can be seen 15 miles into the sky (laughs) and beams alerts to customers with any offers. Uh, Unfortunately for her, the council have told her that she can't use it. (laughs) (laughs) And it has to be taken down. She said, I find the whole thing so hypocritical. The Highland Council lit up Inverness Castle and even used 15 lights on the Keswick Bridge that were made by the same company that sold me the light. It's only (laughs) six miles from Inverness as the crow flies, so my light wouldn't impinge on the rural areas like the lights they do. It's double standards. But if the council (laughs) wants to stick us in the 1960s using candle lights, then that's up to them. But I think we should be moving into the 21st century. Now... I wasn't around in the 60s, but I'm pretty sure we had electricity. <laughs> pretty sure we did. I mean, I'm pretty sure we had a bat signal in the 1960s. <laughs> I, I understand why she's aggrieved. You know, I, I feel like I'm on her side. The, the idea of like a small business, like a chip shop, like appropriating popular culture, like the bat signal, to advertise like fish suppers in the Highlands. <laughs> i got a lot of time for that, right? I'm on her side. Oh. But she could have had, She should have had a bit of. She, she should have considered her response a bit better because I feel that she's made a bit of an arse of herself. I mean, I, I can remember. I wasn't born in the 1960s. I was born in the 1970s. But I could remember when power cuts were a sort of semi regular thing. Like every maybe few months, all the power would go off for maybe half an hour. Usually, by the time you had um, found the candles, the power was back on again. But <laughs> the 1960s people walking about, walking about the high. But maybe it was like that in the Highlands up there, in the outside Inverness in the 1960s in these little rural villages. Maybe they didn't have electricity yet. Maybe the grid hadn't stretched far enough out to What's it called? Oran of what? Or Muir of... It's uh, Muir of Ord. Muir of Ord. Maybe, maybe the grid hadn't reached Muir of Ord in the 1960s. But... I'm in complete agreement with you. I think it's a brilliant idea. She's trying to promote her fish and chip shop. She's come up with this character, Batterman. Brilliant. <laughs> yes. Fucking brilliant. And, <laughs> and she's obviously spent quite a lot of money on this high-powered beam... <laughs> It just shoots into the sky. It's brilliant. I just, I wish you could see it in action. You know, fish suppers, two for a fiver. 
<laughs> as you're driving down. Is that the Northern Lights? No, it's Jackie's Fish and Chip Shop. It's Batterman to the rescue. Batterman. I mean, He's... that's brilliant. <laughs> I thought you were going to tell me that like DC had got wind of it and said, here, that's our intellectual property. <laughs> what, Batterman? Well, you know, I mean, like the... The bat signal, etc. No, DC are okay with it. It's the the scourge of Inverness Council that are is Batman's greatest villain at this stage. <laughs> I can't believe you were thinking twice about telling us that story. That's brilliant. Oh, sorry. <laughs> That's a story. <laughs> God bless Jackie and I I'm sorry about the decision but we at the Swally salute you You just off for a ramble in the woods then? You just off for a ramble in the woods? Also in May we reviewed the classic sketch show Naked Video on episode 22 and in the news we discussed a contestant who was disappointed after appearing on a dating show Hello I'm Shadwell the Poet well, my, speaking of Aberdeen, uh, my next story comes from the press in general. So are you familiar with the dating show Naked Attraction? I am, yes. We have watched that a couple of times. Um, it's it's good entertainment. So yeah, I'm, I'm aware of it and familiar with it. I, I haven't seen it, but for anybody, maybe like Strong Henry, uh, one of our Instagram loyal guys who lives in Canada who's not seen it, basically... A girl, well, in this instance, a girl will choose from a selection of men. She kind of rounds them down, so they show they're naked behind the screen, and they show a naked part of their body, uh, usually their cocks, and she, without <laughs> seeing their face, she whittles down to the last one. But then, so the guy isn't doesn't have all the humiliation to himself, then the girl has to strip off to the, the guy she's picked. I mean, it's a, it's a long, long way from silver black. <laughs> Which doesn't seem that long ago to me, to be honest. I imagine blind date, but without the stupid questions, just guys getting their cocks out on, on Channel 4. So, an Aberdeen waitress has featured in an episode of dating show Naked Attraction, where suitors strip off in their quest for companionship, only for her to be stood up at the reunion. <gasps> oh no. So, so she was tasked with whittling down a group of six potential admirers based solely on the power of naked attraction, clever name. Kerry appeared on the Channel 4 programme alongside journalist and TV presenter Anna Richardson to try and pick up her perfect match. After She's only recently moved to Aberdeen and apparently she suffered a series of poor dates. She, has called, she called upon the experts at the game show to help her find her soulmate. I mean, I don't think the people that organise this quiz show are experts in helping people find love. Expert on, on ratings, perhaps. Speaking on the television show, the 30-year-old said, I've never lived in Aberdeen before, so I don't know where to meet men. To be fair, the city centre was pretty quiet on the Friday night the last time we were there, so she might she might have a point. Well, I mean, everything's been shut down recently, but if she should try the pie shop <laughs> on Hutchins Street. That's a good place to meet men. Especially if they're buying poppers. <laughs> or a porn bag. She says, I'm the new girl in the big city and I haven't been able to find anybody yet. I just moved to a new city so my dating game is a little rusty. Kerry then had to look on and judge each of the naked hopefuls. Stood in their individual pods, each round of the game show revealed another body part and another elimination. Eventually eliminating the six-man lineup down to one lucky man before getting her kit off herself. Looking for a man who could keep up with her adventurous lifestyle. And she's so adventurous she moved to Aberdeen, fuck's sake. She paired up with 23-year-old demolition worker Daniel. After a negative COVID test, so I'm sure everybody that's listening to this was worried about that, the duo then went on their first date where the flames of romance seemed to fan into a blaze, and the pair shared a kiss before parting ways. However, two weeks later, when the pair were scheduled to meet up again on screen, Daniel had reported they dodged calls from bosses of the TV show oh. and didn't return. Keeping her cool and brushing it off is just one of those things, she added. I took an eight-hour journey to get here from Aberdeen. Doesn't sound like, <laughs> doesn't sound like she's uh, brushing it off. He could have had the decency to at least show up 
While she seemingly didn't find love in tonight's episode of Naked Attraction, the experience seemed to do little to dampen the new Aberdonian spirit, so good for her. However, a cautionary note for anybody who didn't watch this episode of Naked Attraction who's thinking, well, I might check that out, thank with a glowing review from the culture swally. The episode also features Naked Attraction's oldest ever picker, 75-year-old nat- uh, naturist Ian from North Yorkshire, who was in the lookout for his perfect partner. Unless you're into naked old men, you might want to give that episode of Naked Attraction a swerve. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've never, you know, I've, al- I've always had a fairly unremarkable but serviceable body. Do you know what I mean? I've managed to snag a wife and have two children. But honestly, like, getting my cock out on television, it's just, a, it's just my worst nightmare. It's no way. <laughs> Not for, I don't care how desperate to meet somebody I was, there are easier ways. And I don't think anybody's getting mm. anybody's getting paid to go on TV and get and get their cocks out. No. You know, I, mean, I thought so. Yeah, I mean if only if only we'd known about her situation a few months ago, a good friend of ours came back in the market just before Christmas. We could have paired them off. Too late now, because he's obviously moved on. Um, but yeah, our timing wasn't good enough. <laughs> oh dear. Okay. Wine is it wine! Don't you wine me, pal, don't you wine me! <laughs> As we moved into July after Euro Fever, on episode 27, we dusted off our best Frank Sidebottom impressions as we discussed the adaptation of Irvin Welsh's filth. In the news that episode, we met a van driver who couldn't quite get his timings right, and a nurse who was sacked for being less than complimentary about her patients. In a TV show out in the garden, she'll go mad. Auntie Bunty, Auntie Bunty, how does your big minch grow? I was torn as to whether to do this because I covered a similar story last week and I don't want this to turn into a kind of trope of the swally that <laughs> my news stories are always about this subject, but it was too good not to do. So I'm, I'm going to read this story and then I'm going to put myself on a little ban from any stories of this nature again. <laughs> but it, as I say, the headline was too good. So this is from the Scottish Sun this week and the headline is Palmed Off. Scott dodges jail for masturbating in co-op car park after his Viagra kicked in. Uh, Again, apologies that uh, I'm covering another story about wanking, but it was too good. Uh, A van driver dodged stiff punishment after he claimed Viagra forced him to perform a sex act in his vehicle. Shocked onlookers spotted Kenneth Cowie, 61, fiddling with himself in a supermarket car park. And there's a photo of uh, Kenneth there looking a bit sorry for himself. Um, He claimed he didn't do it for kicks, but he was forced to take action when his Viagra suddenly kicked in. He explained he was in agony, so had no choice but to pull into the co-op car park and take matters into his own hands. Uh, A stunned witness spotted him with a magazine in his lap during this bizarre incident in Old Meldrum, Aberdeen. (laughs) Uh, the judge accepted his side of events and fined him £270 after he admitted public indecency. They said that they took into account that he had a good background and he didn't really have any criminal convictions beforehand. So he was driving in his van and he was left in a very uncomfortable position as he was driving home to Keith. So he parked up outside this co-op and pulled a bright green jacket over himself to hide his modesty. But a man in another car who was trying to read a book as he waited for his wife noticed strange movements. He said, I saw this rusty white Ford Transit van with someone sitting in the driver's seat and a high-vis jacket on his lap. His left hand was under the jacket, making rapid movements indicative of masturbation. Uh, The court heard that this went on for several minutes and the other man tried to ignore what was happening in the van. But eventually, he got so intrigued and so fed up of trying to read his book that he just took out his phone and started filming Kerry having a (laughs) wank. (laughs) So he could pass it on to the police, obviously. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then Cowie was seen uh, closing the magazine (laughs) that he was reading. I guess he'd obviously finished. Um, And then, yeah, that was it. So uh, the the incident was caught on camera and the driver said he was deeply embarrassed and he was absolutely mortified. He he swears that he didn't do it for any sexual gratification. It was just a case that he just had to get out because he was in agony. Uh, So the the reporters have obviously gone to Cowie's house to get a statement from him, but his wife Carol answered the door and she said, it's a private matter. What's it got to do with you? Get the fuck out. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, so that's my uh, my story of uh, wonderful Kenneth Cowie having a little fiddle with himself. I just like the, the headline as well, palmed off. It's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, 
nice little play. Uh, so yeah, I'm sorry for another wanking story. I don't want to to make this into a a, a thing that every week there's going to be a wanking story, but it was too good not to share. <laughs> I thought, I mean, you can just imagine, he's just in agony. He's taken his Viagra, it's kicked in. Why is he taking Viagra at that time? Though? Well, that's my like, point, you know. That's what, that's, that's what I was going to ask. You know, I, I thought I might have missed an important point of the story, but I don't want nope. to interrupt you. So it doesn't explain why he is taking Viagra in the middle of the day when he's nope. not with his partner, girlfriend, wife, whatever. He just... Took I mean, his- yeah, it says he was heading home. So right. I, I don't know. Maybe he'd taken it before and right. he was hoping that it would just kick in as he got home just so that he could go in and surprise his wife Carol and yeah. have a bit of fun but it kicked in too early and unfortunately <laughs> he was in so much pain that he had to pull over his rusty white Ford Transit van it's a good job he had a magazine with him though because that's a good point I didn't think about that it does mention that he was wanking off to a jazz mag but right. so he obviously just has a copy of Reader's Wives kicking about in his transit ready to have a go if he, I mean if he hadn't had the magazine as we learned on the last episode it could have taken quite a long time till like a woman started to like put a shopping into the boot of her car or something like that or take a shop maybe that's why he picked the co-op car park because if the magazine wasn't fulfilling his needs, then he could see a woman putting her messages in the book. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I, I just like the, the thought of this guy as well, who's sitting in his car, reading a book, reading waiting for book. his wife. And then he's looking over and saying, is that guy wanking? The way it's described is like he's trying to read his book, but he's, he's so put off by the thought of this guy having a wank <laughs> that he has to go and film it <laughs> so he can send it to the police. <laughs> he's so put off by the kind of... The movement and his peripheral vision <laughs> distracting from his Willard Price book or whatever it whatever he's reading. Um, I think it's pure jealousy that he was upset that he couldn't sit and have a wank in his car because he, his wife could come back at any moment. Yeah. So he's like, well, if I can't do this, then neither can you. I'm going to spoil it for everyone. Yeah. He's not brave enough to kill the time waiting for his wife <laughs> by having a wank. I do like your description of you think that he is sitting through a Willard Smith book. Well, <laughs> it does kind of sum up the yeah, type of person he probably is. Yeah. <laughs> sure, I mean, like the latest Tom Clancy or something like that. Um, yeah, I mean, maybe now that I've reached an age where hangovers sort of last two days, you know, via- the, the need to use Viagra might be on the horizon. But uh, I mean, it occurs to me, it occurred to me there that I don't know a great deal about it. I remember my uncle telling me about a friend of his who took some Viagra in anticipation of his wife arriving home at a certain time. She ended up arriving at a couple of hours later, I think she was in a night out, and he so he was expecting her in, I don't know, making it up like, say, 10 o'clock. She was obviously having a good time, so she rolls in about midnight. He had taken the Viagra a couple of hours before. Because, like, all the blood had gone to his cock, obviously, because that's what happens when you get an erection, ladies. He had, he was just like, he was all dizzy and he had to have a lie down and everything. He was all lightheaded. He was feeling sick. I thought, I thought myself, that sounds fucking horrendous. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, my uncle thought it was fucking hilarious and admittedly, it is quite funny. But yeah, I just, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Maybe, maybe there's something quite romantic about it on this guy's, on Mr. Cowie's behalf, you know, him and his wife. Maybe, I don't know. Just gets in. She's waiting for him. He gets there. He's ready for action. Tweeds off straight on. You know, no foreplay. Yeah, it was just a little bit too early that it, it caught up with him. Yeah. What a shame. Indeed. Never mind. At least he just got a little fine for it, for public indecency and yeah. not for wanking in a car park. Uh, so yeah, I am now on a wanking ban from okay. the Swally, so to speak. I'm going to try not to do any more wanking stories for a, a, a wee well. while at least. I'm going to try and find one for the, for the next episode. <laughs> That'll do <laughs> You can take it, yeah. We've had quite a few. There was the the, the guy that was uh, wanking in the picture shop as well, wasn't there? Yeah, there there was. And then we had a a truck driver as well that was caught wanking. Yeah, complete (laughs) stroke. Took all his clothes off as well. He was obviously having a bit, right. of, a bit of a posh wank. Yeah, his clothes off and stuff. Um, yeah, we've had a few. We've had a few of the old wanking stories. Get into the fucking index and look up fucking funny. Well, my next story, I don't think we've ever, we've ever had a story like this. The headline reads... Now, actually, before I read it, there should be a bit of a disclaimer, right? So, you might hear this and think, well, Greg, that's not funny. That's just horrible and unpleasant. And yeah, I'm sorry to 
offend anybody, but when you hear the headline, I hope you I hope you understand why I chose this story. <laughs> right. So this is Nine Wells Hospital in Dundee. It's uh, the headline reads Nurse Wrapped. Uh, Scots nurse sacked by Nine Wells Hospital after calling baby fat bastard and branding <laughs> colleagues lazy and the ginger one. So this again comes from the Scottish Sun. Uh never fails to never lets us down. The 15th of July this year. A nurse working in a hospital in Dundee has been reprimanded by a watchdog after calling a baby a fat bastard and branding colleagues lazy and a ginger one. Karen Edith Cunningham worked in Ninewells Hospital in the neonatal intensive care unit when she made the appalling comments in 2018. So this was three years ago. Between April and May of 2018, she called a baby patient a fat bastard and another baby fatso. She also called a new mum a scummy junkie and said that some people shouldn't be allowed to have children referring to a mother with a genetic condition which was passed on to her baby I mean Karen just sounds lovely she added that some people should be sterilised and not allowed to have babies the nurse also branded some of her colleagues as useless and a lazy git after a fellow member of staff made a mistake Cunningham asked wait are you Irish? And then added, that explains it. Uh, she was also found to have made errors on three separate occasions when administering medication to youngsters. Karen has 30 years of experience, but she also ignored monitor alarms for baby patients and left student staff to deal with them. Cunningham admitted all the charges against her. The nursing, the nursing and midwifery council was told how the nurse was disinterested and didn't care about her job. She was later fired by Nine Wells. So she was fired in August 2018. It's just taken the Scottish Sun three years to get a hold of this story. Um, and has been working in a supermarket and studying at college. Cunningham admitted to behaving in an unprofessional and inappropriate way and has said that she is ashamed of her actions. So it's good to show that she's shown a bit of contrition. Uh, the Watchdog panel found that Cunningham's fitness to practice was impaired as a result of her misconduct. So, I mean, Karen sounds lovely. I hope that she's uh, doing something that she enjoys, because it sounds like she fucking didn't like being a nurse very much. <laughs> yeah, it sounds terrible. I have to admit, I did laugh when you said called the baby a, was it a fat bastard? Fat and bastard. Fatso. Fatso, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's pretty yeah. funny. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, it sounds like she really didn't enjoy her work or no. being a nurse. I think she was definitely in the wrong profession. I think to be a nurse you have to have a little bit of a caring side and a little bit of compassion and good yeah. bedside manner but calling a baby fatso is uh yeah yeah i think being a nurse is definitely a kind of calling or a vocation because famously the wages are fucking rubbish and it's mm. hard work do you know what i mean so um yeah it's just it's one of those stories that you kind of know that you shouldn't really be reading it out, <laughs> but there is something funny about calling a baby that isn't related to me a fat bastard. You know what I mean? <laughs> I know, but all babies are kind of fat. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, just slightly chubby. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's old Karen. Karen Edith Cunningham. What's your name? I don't know what else to say about it. Need to take a picture of what a cunt looks like. In August, we had a bumper month, and on episode 28, Greg and I basically spent the whole episode quoting Bob Servant word for word. But we also uncovered a master smuggler. I could see straight away that very good video were absolute shit. Oh, terrible. The first one that I've got, it just was in the news, uh, let me see, the day of the record, uh, yesterday. No, the 31st of July, yeah, so Sunday yesterday. Um, the headline is, VAT scam student caught importing 40,000 cigarettes into Scotland in suitcases. Uh, the 27-year-old from London admitted his guilt over the £8,000 fraud at Paisley Shed of Court. So if you ever wondered how much 40,000 cigarettes... I, I, I don't know if they mean that's how much he could have made or that's how much VAT that he was scamming the VAT man from. I'm not uh, sure. Okay. But I will continue. Uh, a student was busted bringing more than 40,000 duty-free cigarettes into Scotland despite the limit being just 200 smokes. Mosud Adamola Kasim, uh, 27 years old, was found to have the Benson in 
Hedges Hall in three suitcases when he ar- when he arrived at Glasgow Airport. The consignment oh, this is this is where the eight grand comes from. The consignment was worth eight thousand pounds in excise duty to the HMRC. The dad of two flew from he flew from Nigeria via Ethiopia to London Heathrow, but border officers stopped him when he landed north of the border. Cassim, uh, who's studying for a degree in hospitality management, had around fourteen thousand cigarettes in one suitcase, around fifteen thousand in another, and approximately thirteen thousand in a third suitcase. I sense about of conjecture here on the, on the on the part of the reporter who wrote this story. The officers asked Kasim, who incidentally works for a plumbing and joinery company, if he knew about customs allowances and when he said no, they told him it was only 200 cigarettes. He told officers that he didn't have anything in his luggage, but they took him into a room to check his suitcases. When they asked if he had anything to declare, he said there might be cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> before officers found three different stashes among his bags. Kasim, who lives in Hackney in London, pled guilty to a charge under Section 1702 of the Customs and Excise Management Act 1979. The charge stated that he was knowingly concerned in the fraudulent evasion of duty chargeable on the cigarettes. He pleaded guilty to the charge after the value of the duty was reduced to £8,000 from £16,000. Sheriff Bruce Eroch continued Kasim's bail and said, I need to call for a background report. Um, so his sentence has been deferred until later this year. I mean, I don't know about you. I have gone over the 200 limit cigarette thing a few times on my return home on breaks uh, from uh, the Middle East. Not to the tune of 40,000, but, you know, I have been known to stick a sleeve in each of my daughter's bags as well as um, as well as like mine and my wife's. Because you can sell if you even if you sell them for a five or a packet, you're you're well ahead. You know what I mean with Middle East prices. <laughs> I thought you were going to say you know because I'm taking them back for family members or friends, but you're openly admitting that you're selling them. Well, sort of. I mean, I. I sell them to family and friends. And usually I take an order. Like, my brother-in-law, he's still a keen smoker. Um, And a few other people. My dad sometimes takes some to his work and vlogs them for me. But I mean, like, 200 cigarettes in Kuwait would cost about 15 quid. And if you sell them for a five or a packet, you're well ahead. You know what I mean? And and if you're a smoker in the UK, that's a great bargain. Because how much is 25s now in the UK? About 12 quid? Something like that? I don't know. I think they must be. Yeah. I think they must be about that. 12 quid? I have to admire the audacity of this gentleman and I guess he must have been in a bit of a panic when they're asking him do you have anything to declare and he said oh, there might be some cigarettes when he's got enough to stock a local branch of RS McCall's in a suitcase and I guess it's the panic of well do you just admit it they're going to find it anyway yeah. and why lie but I guess he maybe just didn't want to admit that he was trying to commit fraud you know, well yeah, that. yeah have you ever been stopped by customs on any of your trips no in the UK, I have been stopped because Kuwait, as I may have mentioned on the podcast before when I lived there, Kuwait is a dry country so alcohol is not allowed and if you have anything sort of bottle shaped you have to get you get, you get your luggage scanned like you do in Dubai, you get your luggage scanned when you arrive in the country as well. I, when I've had I've, when I've had sort of bottle shapes in my bag, I have been stopped and I've had, you know, and they, luckily they haven't been alcohol, they've been like maybe toiletries or stuff like that. But what I used to do when I lived in Kuwait was I bought uh, this thing called a, a, a camel pack, you know, the thing that that runners use, the sort of water bladder yeah. thing. So what I used to do is I would go to Bahrain and in Bahrain airport, you can buy a couple of, some booze at the duty free when you arrive and it's quite well priced. So I would buy a couple of litres of vodka. When I got to my room, I would decant the vodka into the bladder, into the camel pack, nick a towel from the hotel, wrap the camel pack in my towel and put it in my hand luggage and like every time I went through I would lose like a few years off my life in fucking anxiety because every time I did it I was convinced that I was going to get caught but I never did and let me tell you something a man who has five or six litres of vodka in Kuwait is a very rich man indeed a very rich man indeed (laughs) and on the next episode of the Swally we'll be discussing how to smuggle soft cheese into the Europe (laughs) (laughs) just giving all these tips yeah yeah 
uh, how to get unpasteurized cheese into the US <laughs> next time. I've, I've only been stopped at customs once and it was in Dubai and I was on a trip back from the UK and I, I don't know why I wasn't thinking. I didn't have anything in my suitcase you know I'm obviously I wasn't smuggling booze back because booze is plentiful to. there yeah, yeah. wasn't smuggling cigarettes or anything I definitely wasn't smuggling any drugs or anything like that but I completely forgot that I think I'd left from Aberdeen and I was changing probably in Amsterdam or Paris at the time and in Aberdeen Airport, I had bought a copy of Viz, and <laughs> a, I know Viz was fine, yeah. but I bought a copy of Nuts magazine, or Zoo magazine, <laughs> right. if you remember that. I do. And I'd read it in Departures, and I must have stuck it in my rucksack, totally forgotten about it, and when they were pulling it out of my bag in Dubai Customs, the guy's eyes lit up, and it just so <laughs> happened that the headline on that issue was Britain's Biggest Boobs Special, and he carefully perused every page of that magazine, <laughs> looking at the biggest boobs in Britain and, and just shook his head and said, you can't take this in. I said, it's okay, you keep it, it's fine. <laughs> I totally forgot, I'm sorry. And he just smiled and nodded and put it down the side of his chair. Uh, so yeah, that was, the, that was the only time I've been stopped by customs and I did have what would be classified technically as pornography there. Yeah, so yeah. Um, yeah, never again. And I don't think I ever bought Nuts magazine ever again. Went bust soon after. Probably that's why. I, and that wasn't a pun on it going bust. Sorry. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's funny. I remember picking up a... You're familiar with Joe Wicks, the... Was it, is it like Fit and 15 or something yeah. like that? He's got... Le- Lean and 15. We have all of his books. <laughs> Lean and 15. So you know how... The they're, back- all, they're all useless to us now that we're veggie. We only use the veggie one now. <laughs> You know, you, you know how at the back of his books he has little testimonials by people who, and they've got like a kind of before and after pictures, people who have followed mm. his program, and and you know they are in there a pair of shorts. If it's a guy, it's like a pair of shorts, maybe boxer shorts. A, a woman's usually like sort of bra and shorts, or maybe like a sports bra and shorts. And they got all pointed his books into QA, and I was flicking through one at the back, like somebody had coloured in with black mm-hmm. marker the bodies of all the people that were. Oh, it, including the guys all the people who were sort of saying how Joe's programme had worked for them see that's the job you want if you're working in the QA or the Middle Eastern kind of censorship (laughs) office you want the job of drawing the black bra (laughs) on to (laughs) the slightly (laughs) naked woman I know I wonder if any of them ever just for a laugh just draw like a wee tash on there or something (laughs) you know a wee cock doodle (laughs) a few perils of spunk coming off the end just in the odd cock in the odd one (laughs) Just to to break up the monotony, you know? (laughs) I'm not a punter. Never have been, never will be. Also in August, we looked at the Ken Loach film The Angel's Share on episode 29. We also discussed a retro crime and pondered a new form of transportation in Dalkeith. This is God calling. Get off the fucking track, will you? Uh, let's go for a little old school story. This is something you don't see nowadays that often, and we should bring it back. This is from last week, uh, and it's from the Daily Record as well. So this is uh, about a shocked Scots homeowner who has told how he captured two shadowy figures stealing milk and other daily products from her doorstep. The alleged theft was filmed on their ring camera. So two hooded figures pulled up in a car ran out the car, nicked our milk and I think our eggs and our yoghurt got back in the car and sped off at high speed. (laughs) They posted the footage on social media and other residents in Dalkeith, Midlothian claimed that the same thing had happened to them, with items going missing from their doorsteps over the last couple of weeks. So this initial video was filmed in the early hours of the 6th of August and it sees two hooded individuals wearing tracksuits approaching the property, picking up the dairy delivery and then taking off at high speed in the vehicle. The Dalkeith resident who captured the footage on a ring camera told Edinburgh Live, I hope they choke on my yoghurt. They stole our milk, our yoghurt, our eggs, and we were done out of our Weetabix. I'm trying to (laughs) see the funny side of this, but obviously I feel bad for the milk company as so many people will stop ordering now. This is the first Mm. time it's happened to us, but looking at the comments on my post, it seems to be happening all the time. Other people living in Dalkeith area have also reported their daily products stolen, with one person saying, I caught them stealing mines the other week. 
Adara said, We've had a lot of problems recently. The police do actually want it reported, so they can hopefully do something about it. We had all of ours stolen last week. A third said, uh, Yeah, we also had our milk stolen by the same people, and we caught them on our ring camera too. We called the police, and they took a report. Police Scotland have been contacted for comment. I didn't realise people still got their milk delivered properly, like yogurts and eggs on their doorstep. Like, surely it's just asking for trouble. I think it went away for a while. When I was a teenager, I, I delivered the milk when we lived in Barrow and Furnace. Oh, yeah, I, I were you? Well, I think I just thought I helped the milkman. It was good money. I used to do the milk and the papers. But it was it was glass bottles. And we, mm. I remember when we lived in Glasgow, when my oldest daughter was born, somebody came and trapped the door and asked if, we, if he could add us to his milk rounds. And like, yeah, so we used to get but it was like a two-liter carton that would get delivered every day. Okay. Um, so they obviously do. I don't know if they still do the glass bottles, but I can tell you know, what I will say. And anyone that's delivered the milk will attest to this. When you're collecting the empty, when you're collecting the empty bottles in the winter, you couldn't really wear woolly gloves. And like when you're a thirteen-year-old uh, kid, yeah. the only gloves you have are like woolly gloves because the bottles will slip out. So you got to do your bare hands. It was fucking oh, really, really that's cold. hard work. Yeah. yeah. It was just cold. It was fine in the summer, but it was cold. It was cold in the winter. Yeah. So like, so there's like these Dalkeith dairy junkies. <laughs> <laughs> like, surely if they're speeding about in a car, going from door to door, like, petrol is surely more expensive than milk. Like, are they doing it for the thrill, or have they developed some sort of Doc Brown DeLorean on a car that is powered on eggs, milk, and yogurt? And <laughs> they're trying to get up powered. to 88, <laughs> a dairy-powered, a dairy-powered DeLorean in Dal yeah. Keith. <laughs> <laughs> to write that down for the for the Instagram post. <laughs> That's um yeah. I wonder why they're doing that. Like, there's there's not a lot of value in that. Surely, why wouldn't you go and ram raid a farm or something if you're like <laughs> a cow and just it's just there on tap. You don't have to go out robbing a cow in your living room just firing at milk all day, <laughs> keeping your grass short. <laughs> the, the reason I had to come up with that story is because it was so old school in terms of. <laughs> yeah. Nick and milk. And when we envisaged the Swally, that was the kind of petty news stories I kind of wanted to cover in terms of, oh, someone found a shoe in a lane and they're looking for the owner or someone's nicking milk off uh, someone's doorstep. Like, I just didn't realise that type of thing existed. I'd imagine, you are probably right, I bet milk deliveries and egg deliveries came back probably in the last mm-hmm. year because of lockdown because a Maybe. lot of people wouldn't have been able to get out so I'd imagine yeah. those companies did do, you know, they were offering good service and helping people a lot and that's true, maybe we shouldn't be making light of this because maybe they've stolen milk and eggs from people that couldn't get out and didn't need it but it is fucking funny <laughs> Yeah, I can remember like, my mum was my mum still got the milk delivered like, when I was still, when I still lived at home and long after I left home and the only sort of theft we had to worry about was sometimes like birds would fly and peck in the foil oh, lids yeah. you know what I mean um, they would pe- peck a hole in the lids to get to the milk and stuff or sometimes like the cream at the top of the milk would freeze in the winter if, if you didn't get your bottles in sort of quick enough and especially in the northeast of Scotland in the winter it can be fucking can be fucking chilly right so uh, but, um, I mean I, I, I quite like the you know I mean I think there's maybe just because I'm a real nostalgia sort of junkie I like the sort of things that remind me of when I was a kid like the milk getting delivered and the paper you know they the, the guy coming round for his milk money on a Friday night and um, doing a big job in the bathroom, stinking out a wee flat. But you know, it's just a simpler time. Is there no shelf run in your house? Hey, next time you go home, check all the tins. In September, we unintentionally dedicated the month to Martin Compston, and on episode 31, we discussed his role in 2013's The Wee Man. We also met some young lads who got a bit bored and invented a new game. They're well and truly shitting themselves to know. Well, it's been a while, Greg. It has been a while. We have had a, a bit of time off from Falkirk for a while. <laughs> we have, actually. It's been ages. We're going to Falkirk. <laughs> uh, motorists in Falkirk area have hit out at Jobs, who have been launching dog shit at passing cars, with one branding them Scotland's biggest dickheads. Now, before <laughs> we go into this story, I will say I realise the dangers of this in the swally. (laughs) But how could we not cover this story? (laughs) So, a number of vehicles are believed to have been hit from the Hamilton Road flyover on the M876 at Larbert over the weekend. Nobody was injured, 
and no accidents have happened as a result of the disgusting incidents, but locals have urged those responsible to stop before there's a bad smash. One man, who does not want to be named, said, I was driving back to Glasgow on Sunday afternoon after being at Vibration Festival in Falkirk for the weekend, and the next minute, something smacked my windscreen. It was covered in brown stuff. I pulled over, and as soon as it got out, I could smell it was dog poo. I thought a dog owner might have inconsiderately f- flung it over the flyover. Because that's what you do, isn't it? <laughs> but when I, looked, when I looked back up, three lads were standing there laughing. <laughs> I could see one of them getting ready to pelt another car. I tried calling the police, but the number was busy. And I was on hold for ten minutes, so I hung up. <laughs> It's clearly a very dangerous game to play, and it's only a matter of time before somebody gets killed. One angry driver took to Facebook saying, The culprits that decided to take all the bags of dog poo from the bin and throw them onto cars on the motorway, you are officially Scotland's biggest dickheads. (laughs) Another said, This could cause a seriously nasty accident, not just by vehicle swerving, but also serious skid mark risks as well. (laughs) A little joke there that I don't think the paper picked up on properly. Um, A third post said, that's vile. Police Scotland spokesperson said, we were made aware of items being thrown on the flyover uh, near Larbert shortly after 7.35pm on Saturday the 4th of September. Officers attended, but the group had dispersed. Such behaviour is irresponsible and we would encourage anyone involved to consider the consequences of their actions. So, I would agree. It's not funny if it did... You're going to get a shock if you're driving down the road and a bag of shit hits your windscreen and you put on the wipers and it just smears brown shit all over. It is dangerous, especially if you're on the motorway. What strikes me is, I mean, it's it's kids having a bit of fun and a laugh, but they've gone to that dog bin and collected bags of dog shit and taking them to the flyover to throw and we're complaining that kids are all busy playing their Nintendos nowadays and stuff or they're glued to their phones this is old school fun this is the type of shit I would have done when I was a kid <laughs> you pardon the pun what fish about in dog shit did they have dog shit bins when you were a kid I would, no dog shit was all white back in my yeah. day I wouldn't have been fishing dog shit bins but you know what I yeah. mean stupid stuff like this like it would have been like water balloons or something or okay it's not harmless fun because someone could get injured but i just love the the thought of these three neds on the flyover just lobbing packs of shit at cars <laughs> cheering as they hit the windscreen it's, just, it's, just, it's like something out of chewing the fat or something isn't it it's exactly what i was thinking of yeah it's something like that uh, these three guys so um if you are in falkirk just be careful in case your windscreen gets hit with a bag of shit <laughs> <laughs> I'm just glad it was dog. It could have been worse. It could have been human. I know. I know. We can imagine like some guy with his tracks at bottoms on his knees, arse hanging over the flyover. You know, <laughs> well, just trying to curl one out. While his mate, fil- while his mate films it on his phone. Well, that's it. I mean, that would make a great TikTok video, wouldn't it? Landing <laughs> <laughs> bombs away. Yeah. Were they Iceland bags of shit? <laughs> chance? No, no. no it, there's a photo on the, but I think it's a stock photo oh. they've put on, and it is. Just a pile of, of dog bag. Yeah, bagged up dog shit. The, yeah. yeah, exactly. From from poo bags. So there must have been a, a special dog poo bin that they've raided. And, you know, hey, it's COVID. So they've, they've obviously not got much to do at the moment. Oh, we do love a bit of scat in the swallow. We do like a good scatological tale. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Better an empty house than a bad tenant, eh, Paul? Our final clip comes from our Halloween episode in October, where we looked at 2002's Dog Soldiers. We also met a couple who feel they should be due some compensation for some drunken hijinks. Is it your birthday, Coop? No, mate. Is it my birthday? Hey! A little bit like today's content is that there is a link to Scotland, but it, it actually happened. The incident I'm about to describe actually happened in England. Um, so this comes from the Scottish Sun on the 7th of October. Uh, a boozy Scot and his pal have threatened to sue... Sue is spelled in capital letters, a water park after they broke their legs on a flume when they snuck in at 2am. <laughs> <laughs> Barry Douglas, uh, 44, and Claire Vickers, 46, were trapped in the flume for two hours. And they've, suggest- oh, they've suggested that they are now taking legal action. The duo were only found by 
police after reports of kids messing about. They have since blamed the Lido's lack of security when closed for their horror accident. Claire complained that she and her mate now face a two-year recovery for their drunken antics and believe they should be compensated. Both suffered broken shins and shattered feet. Claire had been in a pub for four hours before meeting Barry at his house for more drinks. At 2am, she suggested they try the nearby Lido for a quick dip. They crawled under a fence (laughs) and agreed to try the slide. Claire sat down and Barry put his legs around her so they could slide together. (laughs) The water was off, so Claire splashed some water down the chute from the foot bath. (laughs) as minging. But as they sped down, they saw a steel barrier was blocking the exit. Claire's snapped right shin pierced her skin and every bone in her left foot was broken. The former bartender said, I couldn't think straight as the pain was excruciating. It was like a scene out of a horror film. I looked over at Barry. He was in the fetal position and silent. That's when I thought we're both going to die. She tried holding her leg together while banging on the tube and screaming for help. But she said, every time I banged, I let go of my foot and my shin and more blood came out she added I nearly went head first Uh, sorry she added I I nearly went head first I would have been killed Uh, forklift driver Barry originally from Dundee broke his left leg and both ankles he said the pain was unbearable reflecting on how it affected his life Barry said he'd been left unable to work and he's running out of money he's had to move house and he now suffers from depression Claire explained on this morning that she was lucky to wake up with her foot after several operations. She said, it has changed my life completely. I was an active gran. I mean, this this girl was only three years older than me. I was an active grandmother. I can't take her out for walks. She's only three, so she keeps going, Nanny, can you get up and walk yet? That night, I didn't plan on going out to do this. It just happened. And it's happened before to other people. So I think something should be done about it. Barry added, there should have been security there. The fence should be secured. Legal action has been taken. But Philip Schofield, we like Phil, he confronted them both arguing, it's tricky as you shouldn't have been in there in the first place. You haven't been prosecuted, which you're lucky about. But Claire hit back. Everybody makes a mistake, Philip. Everybody has got drunk at some point in their life and made a silly choice. And that's all this was. But viewers at home appeared to side with Phil, with one tweeting, Is this a joke? They really trying to make out it is not their fault, because it's too easy to break in, and and there were steel barriers. Another added, minimal sympathy for this pair on hashtag this morning. You broke into a closed water park and let yourself into an attraction. You did that. Now you're saying that the park should have locked the slides? They locked the gates and you broke in. Ridiculous. No police action was taken, but Claire of Aldershot, Hampshire, is sharing her story as a warning. She added, I'm still having nightmares one month on. They were taken to Frimley Park Hospital in Camberley, Surrey, but had to be transferred to St George's Hospital in Tooting in South London. Mum of five, Claire, remained there for two and a half weeks and will not be able to walk for another six. She she admitted, we're idiots. Let that be a lesson. Where's the rest of the... Well, there's loads of pictures of them. Oh, my goodness. And pictures of the fence that they, with a the sign that says you can't break in. Um, yeah, that's it. Yeah, lots of pictures. A picture of Barry there. He's got a couple of stookies on. Uh, looking a bit sorry for himself. Picture of Claire. She's only got one stookie on. She looks... Fuck it. She looks full raging. <laughs> um, a picture of the outdoor water park. So, yeah. I mean, I don't imagine like uh, they're going to get any sympathy from it, from our listeners either, to be quite honest with you. Uh, this is absolutely ridiculous. So, they're trying to sue the water park because the security wasn't up to enough. They got pissed. They decided to break in, go on a slide. You said it was disgusting that she got the water from the foot little well. foot bath. Well. I thought I thought you were about to say something a lot worse <laughs> when you said the water wasn't on and they needed some sort of lubrication to get down. <laughs> I, I genuinely thought you were about to say... You should pish, that, pish in the water slide. <laughs> basically. Now, you have to go up to get to the water slide. I imagine it'd be dark. Yep. Surely you would look at the bottom of the water slide before you went down it and see this big fucking metal barrier. Surely. You're not going to just go down. Everybody has got drunk and made a bad choice before. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, you know, when I, if I'm honest, I mean, you know, when we were younger, it'll, it'll come, it'll come as no surprise to anybody that we enjoyed 
a night out and, you know, we occasionally get up to mm. some ill-advised antics, uh, a couple of which have been discussed on this very podcast before. Aberdeen, it will also come as no surprise to people who know of its location, doesn't have any water parks to break into. I feel like, you know, it might have been a consideration if enough, uh, if enough booze had been taken, but I would hope to your point, that we would uh, make sure that we weren't going to smash our legs <laughs> to pieces on a metal barrier before embarking. I can probably tell this story because we didn't actually do it. We weren't successful. So, ah, fuck it, I'll tell the story. So I had a night out with a few friends uh, that were also Aberdeen fans. This would have been back in 2004, 2005 maybe. And we'd met up and had a like big kind of seven-a-side football match, then went to the pub, got very drunk... And I think two, there was four of us left in the very end. And I think two of the guys were from like Edinburgh kind of way and two of us were from Aberdeen. And it was like two o'clock in the morning and we thought it would be a fucking great idea. Let's go and buy a football and break into Pataudry and have a kickabout <laughs> on the pitch. <laughs> so we've got a taxi. We've got a taxi from Union Street to Asda in Garth D because it was the only place that we knew that was open at that time. And we went in and we bought a football. And then we got back in the taxi and he took us to Pataudry. I can't remember how much this taxi was in the end. It must have been a fucking fortune because we told the taxi driver what we were planning to do. So he took us around the stadium showing us the best places to break into. (laughs) (laughs) So we were like on each other's shoulders trying to get over the south stand with this football and we we just couldn't do it. Like we were too pished and none of us, despite the fact we were absolutely hammered, we were all still sensible enough to be like, if I jump down this wall, I'm going to break my leg. So I'm not going to try it because funnily enough you do kind of have that kind of moment where you're thinking this isn't going to end well so let's not do this so we tried a few other times that the taxi driver was like oh you'll maybe get round in the the space between the the south stand and the dick tunnels we got back in the taxi he drove us around that side (laughs) we couldn't get in so we asked him for a pen so we all signed the football (laughs) taxi driver as well (laughs) and then i ran up and booted it over the stand (laughs) So that it would land on the pitch. <laughs> and we thought this was almost as good yeah. as breaking in and playing football. We were like, oh, they're going to come out for training tomorrow and they're going to find this football. And they're like, oh, it's been signed by <laughs> Suntan and DL. This will be great. This is so good. Straight in the trophy room with this ball. <laughs> and then we got the uh, a taxi home. So yeah, I, I can't remember how much that taxi cost. It must have been a fortune because we had it for about two hours. But the guy was, like, well into yeah. this as well, you know. He's like, oh, no, no, go down this side, go down this side. You'll get in there. <laughs> yeah. He thought it was a great idea. <laughs> However, had we succeeded, had we played a little 2v2, maybe the tax driver would have come as well. You could have played rush goalie. We could have had a little World Cup game. Yeah. Had we succeeded and I had slipped over a sprinkler head and <laughs> broken my ankle or something, the last thought in my mind would be, I need to sue Pataudry. Yeah. My first thought would be, oh, shite, I'm going to get caught. I'm going to get in a lot of trouble. Am I going to get banned from Pataudry for this? I'm not going to be thinking, oh, I, I know, I'll sue them and say, that fence, it took three of us <laughs> to get over that. That's a, that's a hazard, that is. You shouldn't be allowed that. I'm going to sue. This is ridiculous. I've got no sympathy for these people at all. They got pished, they went in a water slide, they're suffering the consequences now, they won't do it again. The worst part about it is they mention that they'd heard of other people doing it (laughs) and getting hurt or whatever, and they still decided to do it. Ah, but do you maybe think they've only heard about these other people since it's happened? Because then they've probably been in the local paper. People will have come forward and says, oh, that happened to me. Oh, I did that once. I, oh, I, I did that one night and I got a, a nasty little Chinese burn on my, you know, my, my arm when I was going down. It wouldn't be a Chinese burn because yeah. you wouldn't be doing it. It would be a... Like friction, like a, like, a, like a friction burn, I guess, yeah. Friction burn. Thank you. That's what I was looking for. I got a nasty friction burn. That that would be it. Like maybe because people have injured themselves before with minor things like friction burns, the water park has thought right. Rather than fix that fence, let's use the money to put a big fucking metal barrier at the bottom of the slide. <laughs> 
so that if anyone is stupid enough to come down it again, they're going to again be a for a nasty surprise. Let's hope they go head first. I've, I'm trying to think if I've ever broken. I think I've ever broken in in the traditional sense of the words. But when I, I used to live in this little village called Maud, just outside Aberdeen, and where the old Banff and Buchan railway line used to be, it's now like a like a sort of walk, like a sort of nature walk, if you like, and you can walk. Hmm. You, can, you can walk all the way to Aberdeen, I think, on it. But just outside the village, just off of the old railway line was a sewage treatment centre. Now, don't ask me who found out, but they never locked the door to the sort of office. Well, not even really the office, the sort of control room, if you like. So we used to go up there and let ourselves in and use the phone, like phone our mates, stuff. Hey, I'm, ph- I'm phoning from the sewage treatment centre. <laughs> stuff like that. It was just, there wasn't an awful lot to do in the village back in those days. You know, we were too young to get into the pub. So we had to find our own entertainment. I'm sorry. So in terms of the control room, mm. could you have controlled the sewage operation? I suppose we probably could have done. I mean, we never ever did. So we just sort of look and see if, like... If the workies had left any like jazz mags around or you know or booze i don't know why we, i don't know why we thought that they would be taking booze to work but mainly it was just to use the phone and like phone people and the, like our mates that lived in the other villages that we went to school with and things and just have a laugh really <laughs> get getting out the rain if it was a bit damp i mean that would be one hell of a water slide <laughs> in the sewage plant as well you wouldn't want to go down that though You'd probably get worse than a broken leg if you went down yeah, that. Sure, you would. Yeah. Toxoplasmosis. <laughs> yeah. So I don't. I don't imagine that their that their legal bid is going to be successful. I feel like a, a judge will just, or a good brief will tell them that it's a waste of time, especially after Philip Schofield has ruled on this morning that uh, they're a pair of idiots. Get back! Get out of it! Jesus, I'm bin, mate. Well, that rounds up the best of the news special for 2021. We really hope you enjoyed it, and we'll be back next week with our latest episode and a full review of something very special. In the meantime, if you have any news stories you've seen from Scotland you'd like us to discuss, you can drop us a line on cultureswally at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at swallypod or on Instagram at cultureswallypod. See you all next week, and from both of us on the Culture Swally, we'd like to wish you a happy new year and all the best for 2022. Till next time.